today. I'm just going to keep us moving forward. Can't get away from what we've been talking about, about becoming uh, giant hunters, right? Not just giant killers, but giant hunters and going after the giants of our lives, but also of our world, right? So here in Numbers chapter 14, and we kind of looked at this, and this is where the Israelites are about to enter into Canaan. In verse 9, here I believe it's uh, Joshua, he is talking, and he says, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Hallelujah. I mean, I love that. But they are our bread. Right? They are our bread. Everybody say, my giant is my bread. And again, had this thought come from uh, Pastor Bill Johnson, and I love that he was talking similarly along this. He says, you know, there is spiritual nutrition for you that can only be digested once you eat your giant. Amen. Can I say that one more time? There is spiritual nutrition for you that you will only get when you eat your giant. Right? Again, how many of you know, and, and I'm not a, you, if you want to know healthy stuff, you go talk to the lady in the lovely shirt here, the Selena. She's my resident health nut, so I don't have to be one. And uh, <laughs> that's a joke. Y'all can laugh. It's all good. Right? Um, and so, uh, but, you know, they talk about how there's like a certain B vitamin, like B12 or B something. There's some B vitamin that we all are supposed to need that's only found in red meat. Right? And that's why if you go vegan, which is, please hear me if you're watching and anybody here is vegan, anybody wants to be vegan, I'm not speaking against veganism, any of that kind of stuff. But you just have to normally take a pill. If you're going to go vegan, you have to take a supplement because there is a nutrient in red meat that your body needs that you only get when you eat that. It's the same thing is true in the spiritual sense. That's right, that there is spiritual nutrition, there is spiritual strength that is only gained when you defeat your giant. That's it. You can't get it, you can't have it prayed into you. you. Nobody can lay hands on you and impart it into you. Right? It only comes when you conquer that thing that is standing against you. When you overcome it, right, with the word of God and the power of the spirit. You know, not, not solely on this, but there's a, a phrase I heard years ago by one of my pastors and uh, Pastor uh, Billy Joe Watts, we used to call him Pastor Megawatts because he was real energetic yes. and stuff. But uh, Pastor Watts used to say, you know, if you do the thing you fear, the death of fear is certain. Why don't you say that out loud? Say, if I do the thing I fear, the death of fear is certain. As you know, for many of us in our day and hour here, and, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, I want to talk about some other stuff, but as an example, fear is a giant in many people's lives. Right? 
And we could go down and list all kinds of stuff from the fear of the current uh, virus, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, right? And there's all the classic fears of rejection, fears of failure, fears of success, fear, 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 all the way around, right? And for many people, that's, that's a giant that they face. And what they don't realize is, is that they want to overcome it, right? But you overcome it by overcoming it. Does that make sense? Some of y'all don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Y'all doing all right, right? So it's coming. So the death of fear is certain when you do the thing you fear. Overcoming something you want to overcome, you overcome it. Right, If something has a hold on you, and I'm not saying necessarily sinful things, it may apply to that, right? But if there are things that are uh, consuming most of your money and resources and energy and stuff, does that make sense? When you give that thing up, that's how you actually overcome it. Y'all look at me kind of strange. Is this all right? Yeah, this is good. It... it <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds very simplistic, right? But, but that's just the way it is, right? Amen. So anyway, y'all, y'all look at my story. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel. And this is, you know, talking about being a giant hunter, you can't not look at the most famous giant killing story in the Bible. So we'll look at the story of David and Goliath. We'll unpack some things in it. And if we get done today, we get done today. We may be doing this one more Sunday. Just depends on how it goes. Um, but guys, let's be, I just want us to be, again, on the hunt for our giants. Right? Again, we're going to look here, and it's true, and I don't dis- disagree with I'm going to share that in there. You know, David was just doing David stuff, and he bumped into Goliath. David wasn't necessarily on the hunt for Goliath. He just ran into Goliath, right? Sometimes, you know, that's what it'll be, especially when you're helping other people, especially when you are, like we've said before, David killed Saul's Goliath because Goliath was not David's giant. Goliath was Saul's giant. And Saul was either unable or unwilling Principally, we'll read the story due to fear of facing his own giant, yeah. right, and overcoming him. When, you, when you're overcoming other people's giants, you'll just run into them. Does that make sense? You'll bump into other people's giants, and you'll kill them for them, like David did. But when I talk about being a giant hunter, you have to hunt down your giant. You know why you have to hunt down your giant? Because sometimes you've turned your giant into your big pet. Yes. <laughs> does, does that make sense? He, he's, he's your big cuddly lap dog. Right? You, you've made an ally of your giant. Well, I don't do X because of dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Right? How, how far do y'all want me to meddle, right? Can I meddle some? 
I'll try to pick on me, right? I mean, I'll try to, you know, my thing is, is, is again, you know, we might talk about getting in shape. There's a very natural thing, right? To sit there and say, oh, well, I don't, I don't run because I, I don't like the way it makes me feel. Well, guess what happens if you start running? You'll hurt and you'll feel better. Does that make, does that make sense? Well, I don't like the way, you know, it makes me, I got to catch my, you know, we were talking about that up in Colorado, right? You know, we went up to Colorado and we're hiking around and the air's thin and I don't like the way that makes me feel. Well, you know what you do when you don't like something and it makes you feel a certain way? You do it anyway. (laughs) Does that, because if you'll do that, the death of fear is certain. Come on now, y'all with me. And y'all can look at this kind of stuff. It, it, it goes around. So when we talk about hunting down your giants, you're going to have to hunt down your giant. Many times because he looks like a friend. He looks like an ally. We talked about a little bit of it last week when we had a, a unique time of ministering on healing. You know, some people, they've made the giant of their illness their ally. It's become an identity marker, yeah. right? It's become something that is now on their side. Again, we've talked about it a little bit before. We've seen it in folks who, especially if they ever claim disability, sometimes it's hard because that, that giant is attached to a stream of income that comes in. And so to kill their giant, they're going to lose that. Do you see but I say that just as a way, and please hear me if I'm speaking to anyone directly. I'm not trying to be mean or pick on anybody. I'm just trying to, so you'll have to hunt that down, right? You'll have to hunt down those things in you. So again, giant hunting, when I speak of it, I'm really talking about the things in our life that maybe we've made allies of that now don't serve us well. Does that make, you look at me kind of funny. Does that make sense? Just turn that thing off. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I'm trying to think about, I'll tell you a real quick story then we'll jump into God. You know, when we lived in Canada and many of you know, I'm a very hobby beekeeper. Very, very hobby. I don't tend them as best as I should, but I do enjoy beekeeping. But, um, but we're there in Canada and I get stung by a bee and I start having an, aller- an allergic reaction. A big one. Like things started swelling up and shutting down and all that kind of fun stuff. And so, um, so I'm sitting there and that's the first time that had ever happened. Well, again, we go to natural medicine before we go to chemical medicine. Not that there's anything wrong with chemical medicine. We just start in that chain. Just as you know, as we do stuff, we always kind of start on the natural side and then go over to more of the chemical stuff when absolutely necessary. So we go to our naturopathic doctor and I'm telling him what's going on and he does these kind of funky tests and goes, yeah, yeah, your body is rejecting bee venom really bad. Like I can see that your body is pushing against it. And then you see him kind of pause for a longer time and he goes, I want to do something a little weird if, if you'll let me. And I said, well, sure, I'm already here and you're doing weird stuff. So what's some, some more weird stuff and stuff? He says, uh, because I've discovered that allergies are heavily connected to offense. And he says, so uh, 
He says, so have you, uh, have you been offended about some stuff lately? He says, because you said this hadn't been with you your whole life. This is something kind of new. Have you been offended? And then the Holy Spirit said, well, yeah, Brad, you've been offended about this going on at the church at the time and this going on at the church at the time. <laughs> and I chuckled and I said, yeah, 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 I, I, I have. So he basically walks me through forgiveness. Now, a very new agey form of forgiveness, but you can kind of eat the, eat the chicken and spit out the bones. And so I realized what was going on. Right. And so I walked through and got rid of the offense and he retested me. And now my body wants be venom. I just say that as an example that sometimes when we're talking, that's why I say you're going to have to hunt down giants. You're going to have to say, Father, I only want what is from you. Anything I've picked up along the way. That I've turned my giant into my ally. Right? Show me who that is. Show me that giant so I can kill it. Does that make sense? So now let's go. Let's look at this. First Samuel chapter 17. Just going to kind of read and walk through and highlight some stuff. Hopefully this is helpful this morning. Very famous. First Samuel 17, 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Isaiah and Ephesus Daman, ever how you say that. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other, and there was a valley between them. Now notice verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, who was height was six cubits and a span. And again, roughly nine-ish, ten-ish feet tall. He was a tall dude, right? But notice that it says, and a champion went out. As I was thinking about this with us. You realize that there are two types of champions in the earth today. There are champions who are on the side of covenant relationship with God. And there are champions who are against covenant relationship with God. There are champions who are for the promise and champions who stand contrary to the promise. How do I know how to identify when I, again, we're talking about teaching you how to hunt giants, right? Well, first thing in hunting is you have to know how to identify your quarry. You have to know how to identify what you're going to shoot at, right? Because you, you know, again, a very natural example is, and I'm not a big duck hunter. Is Sam a duck hunter? Miss No? Deer hunter, yeah, deer hunter. A little bit easier to point boy girls from deer, girl deers, because they got (laughs) horns on them. But, you know, if you ever do any duck hunting, you've got to learn how to identify silhouettes and identify the bird before you shoot it. Because some of them are illegal. <laughs> They're protected by federal government. So either way, or even in a deer hunting analogy, you know, you've got to make sure if you're going to shoot a buck, it's got horns on it. There's, there's a number of bucks who have been killed, right, that they look like a doe because they were what we call button bucks. They got little bitty horns and you can barely see them. And you accidentally fill up one of your deer tags on an accidental kill, right? Does that make sense? I say this because you have to know in hunting anything, 
you've got to know what you're looking for. So when you're hunting the giants in your life, you're looking for anything that stands contrary to the promise of God in your life. Anything that stands contrary to the covenant relationship you have with God. Anything that stands contrary to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Anything or anyone who would stand against that, that's your giant. Amen. So if you look through your life, that's what you're looking at. Is there anything in your life that is standing against the promise of God? If you can say, yep, I see it. Go kill it. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> right? Be on the hunt. Go after that thing. Amen. So there was a champion. Goliath stood. It says he had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And a, the weight of the coat was 500 shekels. He had a bronze armor on his legs. He had a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and the shield bearer went before him. Right? So Goliath was fairly formidable. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. When you looked at Goliath, he was big. He was strong. He was well armored. He was well armed. And he had a minion. Right? <laughs> he, had a, he had an armor bearer minion that went out in front of him like a, the shield bearer. That when you know, sometimes you have to realize that that's what that's what you're facing, and what other people that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So please understand that in when what we're talking about living by faith and identifying your giant, we're not saying that it's not formidable. Right. Does that make sense? So sometimes you hear us faith preachers get up and and we beat people up unintentionally, right? Because we want to make it sound like, well, he ain't nothing. Yeah. That ain't nothing. That's just, ah, why are you so worried about whatever? Well, no, you know, it's still Goliath. <laughs> I mean, Goliath was still nine and a half, ten feet tall. He was a formidable opponent. So please understand that when we get out there, it will be formidable. It will look like a Goliath. Does that make sense? That's not a denial. Just don't be. Huh? It may look impossible. It may look impossible. May look like something that's never been defeated. Mm -hmm. May look like something. Again, you know, you might find yourself, especially hunting your own giants, you might find yourself, well, we've never done that. Nobody in my family's ever done that. We've never thought that way. We've never acted that way. We've never been that way. Whatever that, we've never, does that make sense? Because we've lived in the shadow of our giant. Yeah. All right, this morning. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, so please understand, I understand that it is a giant. It's there. Go kill it anyway. Yeah. Go face it anyway. Amen. Let, let, let's keep reading. Sure. Yeah. So, is there a way that you could like prepare? Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. there. Absolutely. Yeah, just. I feel like it would be kind of stupid to go up completely defenseless and be like, "Yo, giant, you suck." <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's, that's true. That's true. Well, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Absolutely. So absolutely. One well, reason why I say that is, is you know what? Because sometimes, sometimes what happens is, and I want to make sure we're, we're aware of this, is I, I'm never intending to make light of somebody's Goliath. Because sometimes that's what we accidentally do in the church world is we kind of make light of people's problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're not making light of the problem. We're going to acknowledge X, Y, or Z is Goliath for whoever. I, I see it. Yep, it's big. It's scary. It's formidable. Looks impossible. Showed up out of, maybe showed up out of nowhere or again. Most of the time I think you're going to find, oh, he, he's been with me my whole life. I just always thought he was a friend. Yeah. I just always thought he was a, a faithful companion. You know what I mean? I, can, I, can I pick on some, is this all right? Can I, I'm just trying to identify, you know, one of them that is a classic one, especially for the South, that is a Goliath that we love. His name is Worry. His name is worry because responsible people worry, right? Good, responsible adults, you know, well, you just, you you ain't worried about that, right? And sometimes, I mean, and I've talked to a number of people and they come from a long history of world-class champion warriors. Yes. Amen. And that's a Goliath that needs to be killed. Amen. So let's let's keep going. Yes. Yeah, you know, sometimes we have to put worry down and let the younger generation learn how to worry on their own. That's right. Well, my thing is, is to kill worry once and for all so that none of our generations worry. I mean, I get out. Yeah. Yeah. Is that really how God nope. Well, Jesus said, "Do not worry about anything." Yeah. I, mean, I love. I mean, you know, y'all know that brother Hagen, brother Hagen was one of our spiritual fathers, if you will. And brother Hagen, I loved one of these stories, you know, because brother Hagen, he truly, brother Hagen, didn't worry about a frazzling thing. <laughs> And you could just see it on him. There was not a worry in him at all. We could be millions of dollars in the red as a ministry. And he would go, well, God's going to take care of that. And he'd just keep right on going. I mean, just there was nothing. And I remember one time he tells the story about how when he was getting started and their kids were little. And his wife, who's gone on, the Lord, gone on to be with the Lord, Miss Aretha, they were walking home from church or somewhere and they got the kids with her and she says, I swear, Ken, if me and the kids drop dead right now, you wouldn't worry about anything. And without missing a beat, he looked at her and said, well, what'd be the point in worrying then? <laughs> you know what I mean? What'd be the point in worrying if y'all both drop, I'll drop dead right here. Why would I start worrying then? You're dead. You know? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. What is the one thing that will stop whatever it is from happening? Instruction. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is yeah, instruction can help. And and the thing I would say is, is uh, 
We need some stuff to happen. Right? Because sometimes what, I mean, it's, and I don't want to get off topic, but, um, you know, the, the, here's another story. Y'all like stories? Is this all right? Yes. You, need to, you can read after the life of a great missionary by the name of William Carey, who went to India. Anybody read anything after William Carey? William Carey had a, a, a great quote that I still love to this day. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. One of his most famous quotes, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So William Carey goes to India in like the 1800s somewhere when he had to get to India by boat. And he goes to India to be a missionary and he begins to translate the Bible into the multiple languages and dialects of India that's there, right? And the natives come after he's been there a number of years and he's like translated or almost translated dozens of languages of the Bible. Like we're talking, this was, unless I'm wrong, it was well north of a decade's worth of work. Again, remember this is pre-computer. There is no backup. There is no iCloud. This is all by hand, learning the language, translating it, doing all the work. And the natives get mad at him and come and burn down the hut where all of his manuscripts are. Burn up 10 years worth of work. How would that make you feel? You know what William Carey did? He got up the very next morning, started over, and kept going. Because he learned to expect great things from God and attempt great things for. Listen to me, when we go to attempt stuff, and if I can stop this, because this is very, again, classic to us as charismaniacs and word of faithers, is we want the promises of God to keep things like our hut full of manuscripts getting burned up to stop. Yeah. We want yeah. to avoid anything. We, we want to avoid yes. challenge. We want to avoid confrontation. All kinds of stuff. We want, to, we want life to be nice and comfortable and easy. And you'll... Yeah. Huh? I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. What <laughs> But here's the thing is, is, but nothing great ever done either for God or just as a man in the world was done in the absence of problems, trials, stresses, mm-hmm. challenges. You know, you go and read great stories of history and there's not a single story in history that we all look up to from the pages of the Bible all the way to modern day that the person says, you know, I just started out and it all just went smooth as silk all the way down to the end. And we did all this world changing stuff and made all this amazing inventions and ideas and never once had a hiccup, never once had a struggle. They, well, the thing that only they, they, they lied, it's never happened. But many times in the church world, that's what we're wanting to, that's how we know it's God. We know it's God if it's all nice and easy. We know it's God if there's no challenge. We know it's God if it's just smooth as silk and easy going. 
Does that make sense? Right? See, the, the promises of God, man, I, don't, I want to be careful with this, okay? Because I'm trying not to build reverse faith. But you understand that the promises were for problems. Yeah, you don't need healing if you're always well. Come on now. You don't need the promise of provision if you never have to worry about provision. Come on now, y'all. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Y'all all all right this morning? Mm -hmm. Amen. See, the promises that were made, the covenant was made for the world in which we lived so we could overcome these things. Amen. Oh, he tries to come and steal the word. You know, the Miss Teresa and I, you know, oh man, I'm trying to, now I'm gone to serious meddling now. You understand that the only way the devil can steal the word is if your heart is hard. Hard. Because that's what Jesus said. The only ground where the devil could come and steal the word is the hard heart. So if, if he ever came and stole the word from somebody, it's because their heart was hard. Most of us, that's not our problem. Most of us were either stony or weedy. That's most of the church world's problem. We're stony ground and the word comes. And as Jesus said, and there is no depth in ourselves, meaning there is no depth of character. There is no depth of stick to There is no depth of commitment. There is no depth of no matter what. Because remember that story, Jesus said the sower sowed the word, fell on the hard ground, the birds came and ate it up. He sowed the word, it fell on the stony ground. And it says, and it immediately sprung up, right? But when the sun came out, it withered away. Jesus explained that type of ground and says, well, those are the ones who receive the word of God with gladness of heart. It immediately began to produce, but notice what he says, but because of persecution, for the word's sake. Do you understand? And I don't, we do, do you understand that the word of God produces persecution? Yeah. Now, now, not from its nature. It just, it produces it. That's why you always hear somebody, you know, I, I was to, you hear people say things like, you know, I made a commitment that I was going to read the Bible more. And guess what happened that week they made that commitment? All kinds of stuff started happening and they read the Bible less than they ever read it before. Ever heard people say stuff like that? You know how that is? You're you're calling out giants. Every time you stand up and say, I will X in line with the promises of God. It's like a dinner bell to giants. No, 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 you just need to, no, you just need, you just need to understand that it'll, because some people then get shocked, right? Some people just, are you with me? It's kind of, I mean, man, y'all got me all kinds of meddling today. This are, it's kind of like people, well, I'm going to finally commit to tithing and do what the Bible says. I'm going to tithe, Right. And they hear a good preacher get up because, you know, if you tithe, it'll rebuke the devourer. And all these things will happen. And you tithe, and that's when your car breaks down. 
That's when the dishwasher goes out. That's when you lose money at work. That's when something happens. And then people, well, that tithing stuff don't work. No, no, it worked just fine. You heard the word. You received it with gladness. It sprung up. And when persecution came because of the word's sake. Yeah. I, I, I really wish I could be nice and just, does that, well, it's not, you just have to be fully committed. I will do it because the Bible says I will do it. Period. End of discussion. Again, Brother Hagin used to teach us that this is my Bible. If I can read it here, that settles it here. I don't need commentaries. I don't need it to be broke down any further. If I can read in there and see, oh, wow, that's what the Bible says about that. I will just do that. And everything around me can go berserk. And I don't care. I'll do it anyway. I'll make a choice. Does that make sense? Guys, again, I told you I will unpack a little bit of something and, and, and I have written down our core things as believers. You want to know this is, you ever talk about exercise again? People say strengthen your core, right? If you want to be healthy, strengthen your core, right? Here's the core of a believer. I know him. I hear him. And I will do what he says at all cost. Yes. That's the core of a believer. The core of the believer is, is I know my God. Jesus actually said in John 17, 3, that that is actually eternal life. Eternal life isn't living forever. Right. You're already going to live forever. Yeah. Every human being that's ever been born is going to live forever. Right. Eternal life isn't living forever. Eternal life, Jesus said, is to know him and the one whom he sent, Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. So our core, we know him. We hear him. Right? Again, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of another they shall not follow. Right? Jesus speaking against the Pharisees said, you don't hear me because you're not of me. If you were of me, you would hear me. But because you don't hear me, I know you're not of me. Right? So believers hear the voice of God. I want you to say this out loud. Say, it's easy, it's easy. to hear the voice of God. Hear the voice of God. It's easy because you were made for that. But thirdly, and what we're talking about here is, the core of the believer is, is I will do the word of God. Yes. All the time. Everybody. Always. Everywhere, every day, at any cost, because James said it's the doer of the word that receives the blessing from the word, not the hearer. The hearer of the word only, he only heard, but it's the doer of the word, right? Jesus said it like this, you love me if you do what I say. Does that make sense? Now, that doesn't determine his love for us. He loves us. He proved that. He did it. Mm -hmm. You ever 
Can I just meddle this a little bit further? You know, I love all these songs. We sing these new, Jesus, I love you. Oh, what is that? Oh, I love you. Y'all hear all these songs? Oh, I love you, Jesus. I ain't going to do anything that you say, but I love you. Then you don't actually love Jesus. Because Jesus did not say, those who say, I love you, love me. Jesus said, those who do what I say, those are the folks that love me. So Jesus knows if we love him when we do what he says. Now, y'all hear me. I'm not saying you're doing, what you're, you're doing anything to get him to love you. He's proven his love. Yeah. But how we actually say, I love you back to God, is by doing the word of God. And whatever persecution comes because I chose to tell God I love him by doing what he said, that's my giant, I'm going to kill it. Does that make sense? Yes. How are we doing? Everybody doing all right? All right, let's keep going. Then it goes on down, and, and you know how it goes, right? It says in, in verse 8, Now he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel and said, Why have you come out? To line up for battle, am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Now here's, here's the interesting thing, and I'm going to tell you. When I looked at the word, we looked at the word in verse 4, and it said, and a champion came out. It was the word for a man, is. It's the same word here, I believe, in verse 8. They said, now... You choose your champion and send him out to me. That's why I say there's, what, there's two champions in the earth. Those who stand against the things of covenant and promise and those who stand for. And basically that's what Goliath was saying. He was saying, send me out a champion of promise. Send me someone who stands on the side of covenant. Because that's, that's still what all of the giants of today are saying. It goes on, it says here in verse 10, So the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a champion that we may fight together. Because every giant in, in our lives and in our culture, that's what, that's what they're doing. It's a defying of the promise. It's a defying and it's calling out, send me a champion. Send me someone on the side of promise. Let us fight. Amen. That's what I want you to understand when, whenever you identify the, the giants of your world. You understand? That's what they're saying. Well, someone of the earth cries out because it's not redeemed yet. Now, some of it might be there, but when you're talking about Romans, when the earth itself is crying out for its redemption, um, man, okay, to not go too far off, off on another track, but you have to understand that the work of salvation is still being completed. Now, I have to watch how I say that. Jesus finished the work, but the work of salvation isn't finished. That's why Paul in his letters said, we have a hope of our salvation. We call it hope because we're still looking for it to happen. If it had already happened, we would no longer call it hope. We would call it done. 
right? So Jesus, that's why Paul used this language when Paul called it the earnest of our salvation, right? Anybody ever bought a house? Did you put earnest money down? So your earnest money is our most, that I know of, is our most understandable concept of this. So we bought our house there. Many of you have been to our house in Fultondale. So when we bought our house, we put down earnest money or a down payment to show that we were what we were doing. They received it. And based on that earnest money, they said, okay, the house is yours. You can paint it what you want to paint it. You can do what you want to do with it. You can fix it up. You can tear it down. You can, it's yours by earnest. But who actually still owns it? <laughs> Mr. Cooper or whoever he is, the banker, right? Mr. Cooper, he still owns, I just put down earnest money. Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection was the earnest money for our salvation. But the fullness of our salvation hasn't come yet because we're still plagued by physical death. As Paul said, it'll be the last enemy that's under feet. The earth itself hasn't received its redemption yet. That's all part of what was promised with Messiah. That's why we are still here. And it's why God gave us his name, his authority, his spirit, his power to go and do the things of the kingdom so that we can exercise salvation in the earth while we're waiting for the fullness of the salvation to come. Does that make sense? So to a degree, yes, some of the earth's groanings, it's groaning because the champions of God haven't stood up against Goliath yet. We're, we're doing what, in some ways, what the armies of Israel are, were doing in that day. We're hiding every time. Can, can I just get real mean? Can I get real mean? Is this all right? What time am I doing on time? I've got to watch my time. Okay, I've got just a few more minutes. So let's go. We'll have to come back next week. It, we, every time the wrong, whoever the wrong political party is, wins something, we all run for the hills. <laughs> I lost most of you right there, right? Because whoever we deem, and it goes both ways, we deem somebody was not the right person. And oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And we run for the hills until the next. Come on now, y'all. Y'all. Instead of saying, I, I don't care, we'll still go do the work of God. Yeah. We'll still go and defend covenant. Yeah. We'll still go and advance covenant. Mm -hmm. We'll still go live the promise. Amen? Yes. All right. It says, and when, I love verse 11, it said, So when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly, you know, the only thing that causes us to have dismay and great fear is we forget that he is with us. Yeah. Right. That's repeated all throughout in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Right. And I'm just going to read that. We've read it before as a church family. Isaiah. Isaiah. 
41, verse 10. Fear not, Isaiah says. Why does he say that? Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed. Why? For I am your God. Let's go over that again. Fear not for. Be not dismayed. Dismayed just means confused. I don't, what are we going to do? I don't know. What are we going to do? I'm indecisive. I can't make a decision. That means you're dismayed. Right? Anytime you are possessed by fear, it's you've forgotten that he is with you. Anytime you are dismayed, it's because you've forgotten that he is your God. Amen. I'm speaking to myself there, not just y'all. Whenever we do that, that happens. He says, though, I love it. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. See, what happened to Israel that day still happens is they forgot. They forgot God was with them. Right? They forgot who their God was. Goliath said, well, hey, pick one of the servants of Saul. Yes. But when David went, he said, yes, I'm, you know, I'm a servant I'm a of God. Of, of the most high God. That's right. Not, it was not about Saul. It was not about Saul. That's exactly. And, and say so you hit a, a good point there. That's what, you know, the Philistines, because they had no covenant, were always looking to flesh. Yeah. So that's another telltale sign that you're dealing with a giant. Is the giant keeps referring to flesh. Well, you can't do that, Kevin. You don't have the money. You don't have the smarts. You don't have the whatever, the experience. You don't have the, you can run down the list. A giant that is against covenant always points you to your flesh. We were kind of talking about about before church, weren't we there, Cedric? Right? I love that. What you you were saying, our sister Wendy from the Irondale campus says, she goes, I've just developed a habit, and this is Wendy Anger, who's over in Irondale. She goes, I've just developed a habit of whatever my flesh wants to do, I just do the opposite. <laughs> she goes, and I love what she was saying. She goes, you know, some days I get up on Saturday, it's been a long week, and I'm tired. And my flesh says, we should just stay home and watch by live stream. She goes, nope, I'm going to prayer. Just because I just make myself. If my flesh wants to do it, I just do the opposite. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> because the giant will always just point you to your flesh. Yeah. Right? But the champions of God, they always point back to God. Just like what Selena said, we'll read it as we read through this story over the coming weeks. Right? David said, I am a servant of the Most High God. I have a covenant with God. Even later on, he talks about that. We'll get it. He says, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a shield. I come to you in the name of the holy God of Israel. Amen. Yes. Amen. Let, let's keep going. We'll land the plane on this one. Verse 12. Now, David was the son of that Ephraimite of Bethlehem of Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man was old, talking of Jesse, and advanced in years in the days of Saul. 
The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle. The names of these sons were Eliab, the firstborn, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest of all the sons, and the three oldest sons followed Saul. Now, can I just um, hit something here just real quick? You're going to notice something. You have to understand that some of your greatest, I don't want to say opponents, some of the people who, with the best of intentions, will try to talk you out of being a giant hunter, share your last name. (laughs) Does that make sense? You have to understand that. There's some weird principle with the whole... Um, uh, prof, you know, Jesus said a prophet is, doesn't have honor in, in his own country. Sometimes the people that are your clan who should be, everybody say should be, who should be your greatest cheerleaders are the ones who will try to talk you out of doing great exploits for God. That's got to use some wisdom. That's right. That's what they say, right? Got to use some wisdom, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't be in a hurry. Right? Don't, now listen to me. You crazy? That's what they say. Are you crazy? Right? Now, here's a twofold. A, you need to be aware of that. B, please don't be that. Yeah. Yes, amen. Yeah. Amen. Because there's two sides to every coin, right? There's a heads and a tails. So on this coin, you have to realize that, yeah, sometimes, most of the time, maybe, the very people who should be the biggest in your corner may be trying to talk you out of doing things for God. So you're going to have to learn how to not listen to them. But on the other hand, be that family member that is saying, yeah, you can do it. Hey, you can go for it. Hey, well, I'm behind you. I, I know maybe grandma ain't behind you. Maybe mama ain't behind you. Maybe daddy ain't behind you. Maybe our other brothers and sisters. But I... I'm on your side. If you're talking about doing great things for God, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you, sis. I'm with you, cousin, whoever you are. I'm for you. You can do it. So there's always two sides, right? But anyway, but David, it says in verse 15, occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days Morning and evening. Now, again, and for time's sake here, this 40 days is a unique thing. Right? All throughout Scripture, 40 days always talks about testings, provings. Sophia, here's your word, preparations, generations. Remember, it was Jesus was 40 days and nights in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. Right? 40 years they wandered in the desert, right? You see a repeated 40 theme all throughout Scripture that just basically talks about a time of testing. Noah and the flood. Noah and the flood. All those 40 days, 40 nights, times of test. Listen to me, guys. When we talk about facing some of this, sometimes there's a, there's a testing period, Right? It wasn't like David rolled up on day one, right? This was the first time the Goliath came out, right? David rolled up and said, what? Bam, gotcha. (laughs) Right, sometimes there's there's approving times that happen. 
Don't be afraid of that. Amen. Don't be afraid of the proving ground. Right? And so anyway, so the, and I love that it says, and if you go on, it was two times a day, morning and evening, Goliath came out for 40 days. So 80 times they did this little exercise. Right? Sometimes, again, you're going to, it's long suffering. Remember? It's a good old fruit of the spirit. <laughs> we, you know, it's the most, you realize that long suffering is the uh, most least, is that right? Talked about, or is it just the least talked about? The least talked about. Seems like most least would be better, right? It's just, it's just bad. It's like more better, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> but long suffering is the least talked about fruit of the spirit. We just kind of skip over that one. Love and joy and peace and yeah, long suffering and gentleness and kindness. And, but remember the ability to stay at something is a mark of the spirit. The ability to not give up. The ability to say, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. But that tithing stuff ain't working. I don't care. I will do it anyway. Well, that looks like that praying's not working. I don't care. I'll pray anyway. Well, it looks like that church going, I don't care. Care, I'll do it anyway. Well, it looks like loving your wife. I don't care. Come on now, can I just be honest? Can I can I pick on us a little bit? Saying, I mean, okay, just just giving you warning because you can because you posted on Facebook, so you gave me a little bit of permission. You know what I mean? There's you know here lately, Selena's been. I don't know if you want to say the initial changings into menopause or hormones. We don't know stuff going on. My wife, my sweet wife of 23 years, there's been some days I've been like, who are you? Because you is crazy. I've asked the same thing. <laughs> right? I mean, because there's, there's, and she's asked the same things where I'm looking at, this is, this is like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs here, right? This is like, but, <laughs> well, we're, we're pushing against that, Miss Eloise. We are pushing against that. I mean, but here, but here's the thing. I don't care. Yeah. Now, we talked about it at the, at, at the last. We're talking about this is, okay, and I have to lead stronger as a husband where I've got to stand up and say, we will not be moved by our souls. Yeah. We will not. Huh? <coughs> She'll get through it. She will. She's already getting through it. It's awesome. I mean, the Lord's given us wisdom, shown us some things to do in the natural. It's great. But you understand? But sometimes you sit there and say that whole love your wife as Christ loves the church. And you have to go, I don't care what crazy looks like. I don't care. She has to do that with me. I don't care. Right? Can, can that make sense? You know, to follow the things of God. And I'll land on this one first. Do you realize that long, that time period, the giant came out two times a day, 40 days, testing the people of God. Kept saying, send me a champion. Send me a champion. Send. Now, the, the truth is, and here's the thing, Saul could have rolled out on day one and just killed him. Any of them could, any of the children, any of those people could have stood up and said, no, wait a minute. 
Who are you? Let's, let's, let's look at this right here and think of it in terms of the, the Christian church. You had two armies sitting there, okay? One that was in covenant, one that wasn't covenant. All right? You had a big dog coming out there yelling at them every day, saying, send me a man, send me a man. Okay? And you think, okay, so here's the thought. Why didn't just a bunch of the Israel and troops and everything just gang up on them? He wanted one man. He grew up being used to fighting one-on-one. He couldn't have took about about ten of them to jump on him at once. <laughs> Why didn't they do that? He said, "Well, that wouldn't have been honorable. They were not in covenant. Honor had, would have nothing, nothing to do with it. That's right." So when somebody in our circle has got a giant in their life, why don't ten of us jump on it? Very well said. Very good. Okay? And number two, Saul. The Bible says Saul was was about uh, uh, was head and shoulders above an average man. That means he was about seven feet tall. Okay? Goliath, what? Eight, nine, nine. ten foot tall? He was only about two foot taller. Saul was a spineless, whatever words I probably can't say at the moment. You know? So, yeah. so Saul, that's why Saul didn't walk out there. Yeah, that's right. And do what he should have done to begin with. Yeah. Now let's look at this. He's coming out there twice a day, yelling everything. What are you hearing the most of today that's putting fear in everybody about COVID? COVID, the fear of COVID and the fear of mandates and all that kind of stuff is a giant. Yeah, that's right. Okay? And we're listening to it. David didn't sit there, wasn't sitting there. He didn't hear it every day. The first minute he heard that giant say something that was contrary to COVID, he was on it. Yeah. That's where we fail. That's where we fail. Because the first time we hear something that's contrary to God's covenant or contrary mm-hmm. to the promises of God in our lives, we don't do nothing. Very good. The first minute we hear it, we need to jump on it with the word of yeah. God. Jesus in the world is for 40 days. Every time say, every time that giant yeah. said something to Jesus, yeah. he immediately answered with the word. Well, and and, and Kevin, I agree. And no, it's good. No, it's good. Uh, no, that's good. I'm glad. Well, here's the thing. I want us to be that. Be quick to engage your giant. Be prepared. Be, well, you will be. And we'll talk about that next week. Be quick. You were already prepared. Right? But be quick to engage your giant. Quick. Fast. But even if I can say this, and as a practical point, you know, we've got, again, we've got church family members who are not, how do you say, they are not weaklings in the faith. Right, and and they're facing, and I, I don't think he would mind. I'll go ahead because I feel like I know him. I, I know Pastor Allen. He's not just laying down. He's not just rolling over and and going. Uh, yeah, he he's he's up there. I I know Pat, but see that's what, and I think that's I think even if I get sick, I don't care. I know what healing is. I know what the word promises. I do not. And that really is, guys, a place as we grow in faith. I don't care. We're going to get to it later. That was David. David rolls up and goes, who is that? And everybody starts saying, do you not know? He's this big. It's this big. And And David said, I don't care. I don't care who he says he is. I don't care who he claims to be. I don't care how long he's been hanging out here. I don't care how long y'all been cowering and sucking your thumbs and grabbing your blankies. I I don't care. Say that with me. Say, I don't care. I don't care. 
right? You need to say that to yourself about your giant. I don't care. Uh-huh. That's right. Because sometimes, like, I know for me, y'all raise me with black and white, this is what the Bible says, this is what, this is what, end of discussion. And I'm like, oh, okay, end of discussion. And so then when I would hear somebody say something contrary to that, I'm like, what is What's that? that? Four. But I let somebody else know that. Absolutely. That's well, and that, and, and, and so you know, that's what happened to the people of Israel. They all fed each other about how big Goliath was. Right. The great thing about David, again, David wasn't running with the army because remember, David's three brothers were there. So David's three brothers were cowering like everybody else was. Right. It took David coming in from another place and another perspective, yeah. right, that was there. And we'll talk about more of that. How do you, how do you get prepared to face giants? And I, I get, you get prepared to face giants, right, through time in the pasture. Because David, there was a large chunks of David. He was tending the sheep, worshiping God, not hearing the news. Not hanging out with those who were there. He was, he was there with his father. Now again, we'll look at it. David ran into his own unique problems that are pastoral. Lions and bears. You know, he was like the Wizard of Oz. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Right? You know, David, David ran into his own unique issues. Right? That was there. But what helped David in that time was, is he wasn't listening to the voice at large. Right? Because listen to me, sometimes, again, when you can identify a giant, one of the best practical steps you can do is not listen to the voice at large. Silence. Mm -hmm. Again, we'll use, Kevin already mentioned, but we'll use it, this pandemic. Silence the voice at large. Right? If you grew up with a, a family tendency towards something, there may be sometimes you have to silence the voice of your family. Oh. Does that make sense? You know, and you have to, to look at the, at the voice and, and listen to the voice of your father. He is with you. He is for you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? And, there's a, and there is a real, that's a, one of the reasons why, if you look at Jesus' ministry, there was times he emptied the room. Right? There was times he ran everybody out of the room and got them out. Amen? Amen. All right, we'll need to pick up there next week. Father, we love you so much. So grateful. So thankful, Lord, as we continue to unpack this. Lord, I just ask you that you help us identify our giants. Lord, those ones that have, maybe they've become allies. Maybe they've become besties. Maybe they've been, become comfortable lapdogs. Things that we're accustomed to now. And Lord, help us to see that in Jesus' name. And if we will, let's just take a minute. And if you're just, while we're here, just...